Good morning at home. It's always good to see everyone. And I keep saying this because it's the truth. This is my favorite day of the week, Sunday, coming together and just worshiping our Lord and Savior. It's a great, great feeling. I have an aunt of mine who is really, really blunt. She has like no filter from here to here. Does anybody know who I'm talking about? Like, do you all have that person in your life? But I have a special relationship with that aunt because she is real. What she says is nothing to demean me or to make fun of me, and she does it in a loving way. She'll say something like, you've, you've gained a little bit of weight, right? I have, but she's being truthful. I love that. And I think because she's honest and real, people connect with her. See, I'd rather have someone who tells me like it is in love than someone who's fake, Right? Someone who says you're your friend and all this stuff, but really they're not. As a matter of fact, Solomon says this type of relationship is a relationship we should have. Proverbs 27, Solomon says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. What Solomon is saying is I'd rather have a friend who tells me like it is, who's authentic and truthful even though it hurts, than an enemy who says that he loves me and kisses me, but yet they're not real. Another great theologian and philosopher puts it this way. The great George Strait says this, Oh, you know me better than that. You know the me that gets lazy and fat. How moody I can be, all my insecurities. In great wisdom, George Strait is talking about true relationships, an old relationship that was real, and now a fake relationship. And what George is saying, I like that relationship better because it was authentic, it was real. You knew the real me. This other relationship is fake. I want to propose to you that by having a truthful, authentic relationship with someone unites that relationship more. Think about that. If you're honest, if you're vulnerable, if you're truthful, there's a unity. As a matter of fact, if we look back in Genesis, that's how God intended a man and a woman to come together in authenticity and unity. Genesis 2.24 reads like this, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. There's a union, the holding fast, and they shall become one flesh. And then verse 25, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. They were open, authentic. This is who I am. And because they were authentic and open with one another, they were united. But right in the very next chapter, right after 25 in Genesis, we hear that the enemy came in, and you know the story, disobeyed God, Adam and Eve did. And the relationship, the perfect unity between a man and a woman was disarmed. Because what did they do? They hit themselves. They were no longer authentic. They were now ashamed. But worst of all, you know what happened in that moment when they disobeyed? The authentic, true union between God and man was broken. And because we're not truthful, because we're not authentic because of our sin, the relationship that God intended between a holy and perfect God and a sinful and imperfect person like you and me was broken. So what I want us to look at today is look at what it means to be authentic and what it means to be united. 
We're going to continue our series that we've named We Are Grace. And for the whole month of January, like I've told you guys, we're going to go over our vision, the vision of grace. And as a reminder, this is what it is. We exist to glorify God. That's everybody's purpose on life is to glorify God. How? By living in relationship with him through Jesus Christ our Lord. We talked about that that first week. We glorify God by growing in maturity in his word. We talked about that last week. And today, we're going to talk about being authentic and transparent in relationship with this church. And also, the vision is by reaching our community with the gospel. That's our vision. To glorify God by coming together in unity and doing the great commission that Jesus told his disciples. That's what grace is all about. So let me begin. Let me begin by saying, what does it look like to be authentic? And I believe, biblically, this is how you begin to open up in an authentic relationship. The first thing we need to do to be authentic is to understand that you and me are messed up. We're broken. We need to recognize our sinfulness. That you have problems, I have problems, we all are tempted, we are broken people, but the good news is that we all should be in search of a savior. This is what Paul says, I'm sorry, John in 1 John chapter 1 verse 8, he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Who are we kidding? And the truth is not in us. We can't say that we're not sinful because we are, we're broken. Paul writes in Romans 3.23, a familiar verse, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all broken in need of a Savior. That's the recognition. That's the authentic, authentic thing we need to have in our hearts. We need to be real. You know what I love about Grace Bible Church is that we're all sinners. And let me finish that. We're all sinners in seek of a Savior. Every single person that walks into this sanctuary needs to be broken, needs to admit that they're messed up. I'm not okay. I'm not. You're not okay. You're not. But that's okay. That's what being authentic, first of all, looks like. Being real. After, after you recognize, you need to repent. You need to come to God and repent of your brokenness, of your sinfulness. I like the psalmist, how he writes in Psalm 139. He says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David is saying, search my heart. Where have I transgressed? Where is my brokenness? Where is my sin? Where is my guilt? Holy Spirit, convict me is what he's saying. Show me. But see, when it comes to repentance, it doesn't stop there. You need to recognize your sinfulness. You need for God to reveal how broken you are. And then one of my favorite verses is 1 John 1.9. And this is what John says. If, a condition, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You come before God, you recognize your sinner, you come and ask him for forgiveness, and he, I love it, is faithful to forgive. The condition is if we confess, if we repent. 
And repentance means if you're going one way, you turn the other direction. And you say, God, I know I'm a sinful person. I know I'm sinning in this manner. And I don't want to sin anymore. It's not saying I'm sorry. That's part of it. Confession is repenting. That's what being authentic looks like. That's what glorifies God. Recognize our brokenness, our depravity. Recognize we need a Savior in Jesus Christ and confess, confess to God to forgive our sins. I'm reminded of a story that we read in Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7. And I think you guys are familiar with this story. This lady walks in, probably Mary Magdalene. She's weeping. And Jesus is having dinner with his disciples and his apostles. And she's weeping. She comes to Jesus' feet before his feet, knowing she needs a savior. And with her tears, she's wiping the feet of Jesus Christ. And then he gets real expensive oil and anoints his head, recognizing how sinful she is. All the things that she's done, but knowing, knowing that she's been forgiven in Jesus Christ. And that's why she's at our feet. In the same manner, we need to come to Jesus and be at his feet. Come to the altar and lay all our sins, all our guilts, and ask him for forgiveness. And I love how Jesus responds to this lady. She says this. He says this. Those that have been forgiven much love much. Do you recognize what Jesus has done for you? I have. And that's why every day I thank him. And that's why I get teary-eyed. How can I be forgiven? How can he love a person like me? How can he love a person like us? That's being authentic. After we recognize our brokenness, after we repent and confess our sins... We need to confess our sins to one another. That's how we start being authentic with each other. See, when we sin, we sin against God. But when we sin, we sin against our brethren as well. And James says this in chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, he says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, James is not saying to come up here and start yelling out your sins. That's not what he's saying. He's saying it's to come into community with someone you trust, a pastor, hopefully your spouse, a good friend, and say, I am failing here. I'm confessing this. If you offended someone, you come and you confess to them. And what does he say? When you confess, you are healed. There's this load that's lifting off of your chest because you're revealing your sinfulness. You're revealing that you're naked and unashamed. All your brokenness. And in that, there's unity. And with that, it glorifies God. Recognize how sinful and broken we are and in need of a Savior. Confess to God. Confess to one another. And last, but definitely not least, we have to share each other's burdens. That's what being a church is about. Like I mentioned, you're not okay, I'm not okay, but okay is being okay together. And sharing each other's in our guilt, in our transgression, in our faults. Paul writes this in Galatians. Brothers, talking to the church, if anyone is caught in any transgression, in any sin, in any temptation, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness, in love. Now he says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. 
Here it is. Bear one another's burdens. Now that is to come alongside and lift with your shoulder that guilt, that, that burden, that temptation side by side. That's what Paul is referring to. And when you do this, you fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? That we all love one another. Come alongside somebody. and Have compassion for your brethren. Sympathize with them. Feel their pain. Guide them in the right direction. Grace Bible Church is all about small groups. And in small groups, that's what you get to have. You get to come and read God's word. And not only that, you become authentic and real. There's something in coming and confessing and saying, you know, I messed up. And then you recognize that your brother is just as messed up as you are. There's two ministries here that we're really pushing forward. And we have been for a while. We just saw the re-engage ministry. Hundreds of couples have gone through this ministry. My wife and I have done it time and time again. Because you can never do it enough. And in that, there's one session, it's called Forgiveness in Action, and we do just this. We recognize we're sinful, we come before God, ask for forgiveness, and then we come as husband and wife and ask each other for forgiveness, and whoa, it's powerful. But I'll tell you what, after that confession, after that forgiving of each other, there's a unity that God intended because we're being authentic We're being real and we're forgiving each other. Another ministry that I'm part of it now is called Regeneration Regen. And talk about being tough. In Regen, you just see all your sinfulness, all your brokenness, all your uck. And we just finished a step called Inventory. Man, you got to write down every single thing, all your idols, all your brokenness, who you've offended. And that's not good. But there's power and being authentic, as eight men sit down every Wednesday and go over our brokenness, you should see the unity. Those guys are like soldiers. We all are. And I can guarantee if I call one of those men right now, I need your help, they'd all be here in a jiffy. And I would too. Why? Because we're being authentic. We're being real. We're seeking after our Savior. And in that is unity. And in unity, there's glorifying God. That's what grace is all about. Unity. What does unity look like? Paul speaks in 1 Corinthians. He says this, verse 10 of chapter 1. I appeal to you, brothers. He's again talking to the church. There's there's an importance here. It's the unity of the church. Every letter that Paul writes with exception of maybe two in the New Testament, are directed to the churches. And he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and in the same judgments. Now, Paul is appealing for harmony, not the elimination of diversity. Let's get that right. There's unity in Paul saying, I appeal to you, brothers. Let's come together in harmony. Here's what he's saying. We're all different. All of us are diverse. He talks about in the next chapter in in, in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about how each of us is a different person. Romans 12 says we're different parts of the body. We come together to, to accomplish one purpose. The way I picture Paul writing is like he is 
putting a, a quilt together with different patterns. Have you guys seen that? Different patterns, but they're woven together to accomplish one purpose. That woven together quilt covers you. The unity that Paul is writing about, the harmony is that we all come together and cover each other and the communion with love. That's the purpose of unity. Look around. Are we united? Is the church unified? See, if we are called to be different, if we are called to be a light, then we're failing miserably in the unity of the church. Church is split. Now, some churches are not united because they don't agree on major doctrine. And that's super important, a major doctrine, faith alone in Christ alone, security of believer. But some churches split for very menial doctrines. You need to baptize someone when there's a child to know when they're grown up. Ah, the eschatology, it's amillennial. No, it's premillennial. Minor things. It's okay to have discussion, but not to divide. Some churches split because the color of the carpet wasn't right. Because the pastor wears jeans to preach. That's not being the light. That's not being an example. It's harmony coming together. Paul writes the same thing in Romans 15, verses 5 through 6. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice, what is that word? Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Together in harmony, we glorify God in authenticity and unity. We come together to glorify him. The reason you and I are here is just that. Glorify God. You know, if we're honest, you know what's at the root of every division, whether in a relationship, whether in a church, whether in our nation? It's pride. It's pride. No, I'm right and you're wrong. No, I'm right and you're wrong. Division. It's pridefulness of the heart. See, we need to just... Admit to ourselves that we may not be right. Not only in church doctrine, but in a relationship with others. I love what St. Augustine writes about this. He says this, if I am not certain, if we're honest, none of us are. Some things in God's word we don't know, we're not clear. We're all cockroaches compared to the sovereignty of God. If I am not certain, now this is Augustine writing this, I am prepared to be charitable I'm okay. I'll show mercy. I stand for certainties, not for things that are doubtful or uncertain. I stand for faith alone in Christ alone, certainties. And here's a very famous quote, and things essential unity. The certainty things, the essential things, let's be united. In things doubtful, liberty. In all things, charity. We need to be an example Especially in times like this. Turn on the news. Division is everywhere. And here's the truth of Christianity. Christianity is not some denomination. Christianity is not being Lutheran. Christianity is not being Calvinist. Christianity is not being Presbyterian, Roman Catholic, Methodist, First Assembly. That is not Christianity. Now listen, Christianity is not being Democrat or Republican. Christianity is not 
any of those things. Christianity is Christ. That's Christianity. And the union that Jesus offers his church by dying on the cross is Christianity. Coming together in harmony, being different, but being of one accord in harmony. That's what Jesus prays for in John 17. Let me share with you the high priestly prayer. What Jesus prays for in that unity. He's talking to the Father and he says, I do not ask for these only. I love this. He's praying for you and for me. He's praying for believers that to come. He's praying for all believers because he's saying, I do not only ask for my apostles and my disciples. I pray for anyone who puts their trust in Jesus Christ in me, he says. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through the, their word. That they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. And also be in us. The reason for that? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one as even as we are one. You see that word being repeated? Oneness. I in them and you in me. That they may become perfectly one. Again, why? So that the world may know that you sent me. And love them as you loved me. That oneness. And Jesus is not praying. I want them to be one so that people can see how much righteous they are. No. I want them to be one in love so they can know that you sent me. There's power in unity. There's strength in authenticity. That's what we strive for. Now, unity. Unity is not that we're all the same. Unity is diversity. Unity is not uniformity. We have our own ideas. That's okay. Unity that Jesus is praying for is a unity that comes in love. Loving one another. Sharing each other's burdens. That's the unity that Jesus prays about. Jesus is praying unity in his word. This is the truth and the only truth, his word. Let's be united in that. Jesus is praying for unity, for his will to be done, to share the gospel, to make disciples who make disciples. That's the unity. That's the unity that glorifies God. One of the things, as I took this role two and a half years now, this new role I'm in, I wrote some things down. What did I want God to have in my heart? I have a list of five. But one of them that stood out as I'm preparing for this sermon was that of the unity. And I, I asked myself, how come I don't know any other senior pastors or so many churches? How come I don't know any of them? How come they're not connecting with each other? So I picked up the phone and started calling pastors. God's put in my heart the union of the prayer that Jesus is praying about. So what? So we can share the gospel. So through several meetings, we've been coming together. Let me show you a picture. This past Thursday, we've had meeting about meeting how we're going to strategize in doing that. We have United Baptist. We have Laredo First Assembly. We have Stepping Stone. Some other churches couldn't make it. And of course, we have the good-looking pastors from Grace Bible Church. Of course. But our focus is not our differences. 
Our focus is in faith alone, in Christ alone, the gospel. And we're strategizing and how we're going to share that to 300,000 people in Laredo, Texas. There's no need to be, this is my sheep. No, these are my sheep. No, it's his sheep. And that's the purpose because I feel that's what God has in mind for you and for me. No, I know that is. Let me ask you, how many relationships do you have in your life right now that you can say, I can be authentic and genuine? I'm really united to this person. If you're married, I hope you have that relationship. If you're in a small group, I hope you have that relationship. But if you're not, do you have any? See, here's the truth. And here's my sermon point. Authenticity and unity creates a community, a genuine community, a real community. That's Grace Bible Church. That's our prayer. That's my prayer. I need to ask you one more question before we close. How's your relationship with God? Is it authentic? Is it real? Or do you have guilt? Do you have shame? Do you have doubt? Can you come before him and say, I'm broken. I'm messed up. And I can't move forward. I need you. Can you do that? Because once you do, it doesn't make life any easier, but it makes it a whole lot better. Knowing he's in control. Knowing that we are forgiven. Imagine if we were really a church that was authentic, genuine. There's one place I really feel authentic and I can be myself, and that is at home. You can be you. You know what we have as soon as you walk in through those signs, through the doors, the sign that says, welcome home. When you walk in here or you're watching at home, know that you are home, that you can be real, that you can be authentic. Because Grace Bible Church, by being authentic and being in unity, is truly, I believe, a genuine community. Let's pray. Father, we do give you thanks and praise. And Father, I pray in my heart that if anyone right now does not know what it means to have an authentic relationship with you, that they come before you, that they come before the altar, that they come as they are. Make them feel in their heart that you love them individually. You love them so much that you sent your son to die for their sin, to die for their guilt, to die for their shame. Father, let them have that authentic relationship that only comes through your son, Jesus Christ. And for those of us that have that relationship, let us not forget. Let us not forget or disguise it by not being authentic. Let us be real. Let's share each other's burdens. Let's come together so that we can be the light in the community and like a light that gets brighter and brighter that it covers more and more the darkness that we're seeing not only here but in our state and in our nation i know that's what glorifies you father i pray all these things in your son's name i love you guys god bless you